So this will be the third week that we have been uh, kind of digging into the idea uh, of creation itself. The last two weeks, we've been looking at various places in in Scripture, kind of getting an idea of some of the things that 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 despite what particular um, nuanced view of creation we might hold as believers, that uh, there are several things that that no matter where you stand, um, we can all agree on, and that we can see uh, clearly. Uh, in Scripture. So before we get into today's uh, lesson, which we're going to be kind of looking at the way that the church has historically viewed uh, this topic uh, and some of the challenges that have faced the church throughout uh, history and some of the challenges that we face today, which lead us into kind of the, the nuanced views that we, that we tend to see um, believers holding uh, as, it, as it concerns creation itself. Um, I want us to, to kind of just be reminded of those things that we have in common here um, that we've looked at in the in the past several weeks. So, uh, one, it's clear that God created the entire universe out of nothing. Genesis one one is a good place uh, to look to from here. Um, scripture starts with the 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 uh, assumption that God is and that nothing else is, and that that God speaks and Creation comes forth uh, by the word of His power. We see various places uh, where it's said that Christ even holds creation in existence by the word of His power. Um, the second thing, that it was originally very good. We looked through the opening uh, verses of Genesis and we see time and time and time again where God will move and God will work and then when He's completed that particular work, He will look upon it and He will say that it was good. It was good. And then as He looks upon all that He's created, He says that it's very good. So uh, God created the entire universe out of nothing. It was originally uh, very good and He created it to glorify Himself. So God needed not create, right? God was... God was self-sufficient. God needed nothing. God created because God desired to create. Um, one of the things that we kind of considered last week is we were considering, like, why would He create? Why, like, when we look around us, like, we see a lot of things that, that I think from our perspective, many times we would be like, I, like, that doesn't seem like a wise thing to exist. This doesn't seem like a wise thing to exist. Like, like we could see a lot of things around us with the views that we have that we would probably change, right? Um, well, what we know is that if God needed not create, and we've, we've spent a great deal of time exploring the character and nature of God prior to us coming to this point, we know that God is all good, all wise, all loving, all knowing, right? We know like these great making properties of the God that we serve. And if these things are true, and what we see when we consider creation is true, that God needed not create, He chose to create, He created for His good pleasure, then we know that though we might have a limited view of why He might allow a certain thing to take place, we rest and can trust that in His infinite knowledge, in His infinite wisdom, in His infinite power, that He's that not only does He know the end from the beginning, but He knows the best way to get to the end 
from the beginning, right? And we trust, we trust in that and we rest in that um, because that's the only place that we can find rest and trust a lot of times, right? Like, like I'm sure all of y'all have had some rough weeks. We, we, uh, this was one of those long weeks for me, right? Like there was literally a night where I got zero sleep, probably two nights because of one just threw the whole week off, right? So like, we, 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 I think clearly understand what it's like to look out at the world and think, God, you must know something that I don't know, right? Like, we're all very familiar with that. And I think understanding and knowing that God needed not create but chose to create gives us a place to start from that says, He knows something we don't, right? Right? He's, he didn't just... Like, we, we're not just chance happening, right? Like, everything that's happening is working towards His ultimate purpose, right? He is powerful enough to get there and wise enough to get there in the best of ways, right? So, so, so we rest in our worst of days knowing that His wisdom has chosen this, Right? So that's kind of as we consider God's creation, God having created the universe out of nothing, not needing to create, He created it good, and then He created it to glorify Himself. Like these are things that we can that, that we can all agree on, no matter uh, what what uh, particular nuanced view that we hold. Um, so I want us to consider now um, a little bit about church history and, and, and the church's understanding. Today's going to be an interesting one. So one of the reasons that, um, that I wanted us to kind of, as we explore the systematic, the, the different topics through the systematic theology study, that I wanted us to kind of have as a companion to each of those studies a view into church history is I think there, that, that when we consider why we hold particular views today, that it's good to ask ourselves the question, what did those who came before us think, right? And can we trace our particular understandings all the way back to the original, like the origin of the church, right? Like, like we want to hold to opinions that are true, Right? So like scripture ultimately should be pointing us towards truth and one of those ways that we fact check our own understandings is by asking ourselves what have other people who desire the same thing as we do right others who have desired to know God what have they co- like what conclusions have they come to as they've dug into this and if we find ourselves holding to positions that large Portions of church history have not held to, then those should be areas where we where where we question why is it that I have come to this particular conclusion, right? So, kind of all the cards on the table here. I hold a particularly different view than than when it comes to creation than a large portion of church history sh- should hold. So, for me, as I consider this, like this is one of those places that I don't want to like put a flag in the ground like this is hill to die on for particular things that I know that large portions of the church throughout the history of the church might have held different understandings of, right? Like we want to show and give grace that we might be wrong. 
that we might not have all the facts. So as I dig into this particular thing, like I hold to a certain view that like that's probably close. We're going to see Augustine held a similar view. Um, so my understanding probably it's not exactly like what his what his would come out to be, but it's not not too far different. But he held a view that was that was different than many of those of his day, and the large majority of the church throughout church history is not held to the particular view that Augustine held to. So I want us to consider these things and how we've come to where we are. And as we do this, like part of this piece of the study is that we learn grace and and humility in the fact that we don't know everything and are in fact incapable of knowing everything and that in that we find this place to where we should have strong footing right like we should know why it is that we believe what we believe but there are certain hills that we all die on together right and there are certain hills that if you hold a particular view, I don't want to just outright say you don't know what you're talking about, you're absolutely wrong. Like I want to give some grace that you may be at a point that you hold a different understanding than me and you might be right and I might be wrong, right? I think that I think that oftentimes that's a hard thing for us to do in the church, right? Because what happens is is that you're wrong always. <laughs> And I'm right always. That tends to be the way that we... Yes. that Exactly. Exactly. That tends to be the way like we presume that we're right and that others are wrong. And that makes us in, in major ways unteachable. Right? So part of like examining church history should bring into our minds, especially where we might have different views, like I could be wrong. Right? Like I could... Like my understanding could be wrong. In these areas. So this is why I want us to kind of spend this kind of effort here. So when we consider creation and we consider the, the, the understanding that the church has traditionally held from the early church fathers, from the disciples, from Jesus himself sending out the disciples to, to usher in the kingdom, right? From that moment to now, what has the traditional understanding of creation been? Can anybody tell me? Does anybody know? Probably, if I were to guess, most of you probably hold to this. That, that everybody comes from Adam and Eve, right? So the literal seven-day creation. Seven-day creation. Or six, right, yeah. So, so most of you, let's get a raising of hands if this, if this is, right? If most of you hold to a literal interpretation of Genesis, would you mind raising your hands? Nobody? That there were, yeah. So when, yeah, so whenever, whenever we talk about church history and the way that the church has traditionally viewed the, the reading and interpreting of the opening chapters of Genesis, like when I say the literal interpretation, what I mean is that when it says morning and evening, it was morning and evening, right? It's like we know now. Yes, yes. And that when it says day, it was like a 24-hour day, right? So that would be that would be like the traditional understanding is that it is that it reads plainly and clearly. There's no allegory. There's no non-literal elements to it. Like for the large majority of church history, as people have read Genesis and they read day, they thought day, right? 
Yeah. This is good. So, so, and and I think what you're outlining here is the is what I would call like it's the way that we work through what seem to be conflicting stories, right? And and what are the conflicting stories? And that's what kind of part of so like if if we didn't have conflicting stories, right? And this is why this is why it's so important for us to. To, to, to use our minds when we approach the text. Why is it, and I need to ask myself this, why is it when I look at Genesis that I don't see it as literal six days, right? Why do I see it any other way, right? Now, if I'm going to be like objective about why I tend to go towards a different view, then what I'm going to say is not because it doesn't seem plain. Like, I can find issues with it, right? Like, I can justify my position and my understanding. But if I'm going to be, like, objective to why I hold a particular position, then what I'm going to say is, is that when I look at what it says, and then I look at the conflicting stories that I would that, that seem plausible, seem real, like like that it seems as we look at the universe that's around us, as we explore it more, it seems as though it's older than what you would conclude if you wound back genealogies and, and, and then hit six days there at the end, right? Because that's what's typically happened, is that the literal view takes us to a point where we say, one, two, three, four, five, six... Adam and his kids, let me count off years, and then I can say from that some thousands of years back was when the beginning happened, right? So like that's that's traditionally what's happened and through through the early church, like there were there were efforts in this. Like let's trace back genealogy so that we know that the earth is six thousand ish, right? Like give or take any gaps in genealogies and stuff like that, maybe ten thousand ish. Right, if you account for potential gaps and long lifespans at the beginning, right? So when we consider that, and then now we find ourselves in a world in which it seems, and am I wrong about this, that everything that you look at that's coming from our exploration of creation itself seems to point towards an older, older earth and a much, 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 much older universe. So as I consider those two realities, that that what I think to be true in what we're observing around us, I find shapes my understanding of Scripture, right? 
So let's be real that that happens, right? And let's be real that if we rewound hundreds of years from now, that I might not hold the view that I hold, right? I would tend towards a more literal, not presented with the seemingly conflicting stories, right? And I think that's all of us. I think that, that you tend towards the plainness of the text, and I think that's good, right? Like, I think that that's what we should do, which is why, as I dig into this, and as I see that for a large majority of the history of the church, that was the plain understanding, I need to ask myself, why then is it do you hold a different view than that? And does the evidence that you give outweigh the plainness of the text? Right? And this is why I say, like, as we approach these particular areas, that we need to, we need to be intellectually honest enough to, to know why it is that we're choosing particular views that we hold to, and then give grace to the difference there, right? That given different circumstances or different understandings of reality, like, like that we might would hold to something different than we hold now, right? And that's what, that's what this endeavor does because most of believers throughout history have held a different view than most of us would start tending towards and that, that our children will start tending away from, right? So we should at least be honest in asking the question, why? And the, the answer that I would tend to give is, is we'll, when we look, like either we're intellectually dishonest in our endeavors in exploring God's creation. That's a possibility, right? We Scripture seems to indicate that we don't want to see God, though we see Him in everything. We make up lies to not see Him, right? Like Scripture seems to indicate that that's our inclination. So it is a distinct possibility that we could be telling ourselves lies because they're convenient lies, right? And that's on both sides of this coin, Right? Right? So like that's a possibility that that the world does not want to see God, so they're telling lies about what they're finding. And then we're not all geologists, we're not all astrophysicists, we're not all like pick your particular field molecular biologists, like we're not all that. So what we have to do is rest on the understanding of others that we trust or that we that we deem as trustworthy to gather information about things that we're not particularly specialists in. And then that, and, and what it seems like now is that the scientific community, which would be that, tends to be saying one story. And we have to ask ourselves the question, is it established in such a way that it could tell a grand lie that we're all tied up in? Or is there some amount of truth in what they're saying? And if so... How will that affect the way that we understand Scripture itself? It makes right? Me think of Galileo. Yes, like, this has happened, and this is what forever yes. the church believed that that we were the center, we were the center of everything. And then he's like bringing in, well, actually, guys, and like they wanted to kill him. Yes, like, and this is why I say like these particular. Th- so what happened there? And this is why it's so important for us to like ask these que- ask the questions of why. Like, why did that particular event happen like that? Right? right? Because scientific advancement allowed Shh, them to see things differently. Now, here's... And challenge the, the 
the, the standard understanding, right? But was the standard understanding right? Like, so what was, what happened in that endeavor, right? Is that we learned more truth. Here's, and this is a, the, the bell rang, so we're probably going to run short on time today. Here's the reality. Is that, is that when, when this story is told, there will be no ultimate conflict of truth. Right? This is where we can all rest assured. That, that, that when all things are known to us, right? When the story is unfolded, the, the, the truth that God has told in the creation that He's made will not conflict with the truth that He's told in the Scripture that He's given to us. Right? All truth is God's truth. That's the idea, right? Now, we're exploring, when I dig into Scripture, I'm exploring mining for God's truth. And I'm mining in a particular way. Like, Scripture is speaking to tell us that God has come to make Himself known personally to us, right? Creation speaks to His power, His majesty, His awesomeness. But all of these truths are His truths. There was nothing and He spoke it into existence. For many, many, many years, as the church would say that creation was ex nihilo, from nothing, the world's understanding was that, that all that we see has always been, right? Like So we find ourselves in this place now to where in certain areas our understanding, though the timelines may not line up, right? Like though, though some may hold that it's a shorter period of time, this, the current understanding of science is that there was a point where time itself did not exist, right? That nothing existed. And this is, here's the thing, the church has been holding that position from the beginning. That there was only God and that God spoke all things, even time, into existence, right? And they held to that truth. And as, as we have explored the things that God has made, that truth has been made more clear and more evident and more awesome and more powerful. God's made Himself known in all that He has done, right? Yes. Yes. And this is what I would say that if God created, and if this that we that we've stated in it previously that that God created from nothing, everything was originally created very good, and that He created it to glorify Himself. Then what I would expect is that as we explore that thing He created, that He would be magnified more and more through it, right? So we should not fear scientific endeavor, right? We should look at Scripture and hold views of Scripture and we should start with the plainest understanding, right? We should start with the clearest thing. But when we find ourselves running into things where we come to a, to where, where natural theology seems to point in other ways, then what we should say to ourselves is, am I misunderstanding what's here? Right? 
And this is... And my misunderstanding, right? Because we, again, there's not one of you who will die holding the same views that they started with as a believer, right? There's not one of you that that when you step into heaven, you will have been right from the get-go about everything, right? None of us are like that. We're always being shaped and molded as we stay into Scripture where He's pointing us towards truth. And I think that this is true as well for our understanding of some of these bigger type things that have taken place. So like, so a, a couple of things that I want us to, to point out, we may need to... We're running short on time. Um, we're going to come back to this next week. Um, and we're going to dig into a couple of different things because, like, what we would tend to see the big, like, watershed moment in this, like, from our perspective in history, would tend to be, like, like Darwin's book, right? Like, the, the theory of evolution itself being that, that moment where it's like, it seems as though the churches had to find itself in this kind of position of, well, what, what, how, what do we make of this? Right? Like, but here's the reality. That wasn't the first time that the churches had to wrestle with these things. Right? Like, we find, um, Epicurus, he has, he had a theory, this was in, in the early church time span. He had a, he had a theory that was, that was fairly popular, that it was from the collision of atoms. Now they termed atoms differently than we do now, but still, um, it was from the collision of atoms that once gave source to all of life's origins. So this was in the early church. That they were dealing with these types of realities where, where popular views were coming into play that they had to wrestle with. Plato himself popularized a theory which held that the idea of matter in the universe are eternal. Right? So the church then was facing where the popular view by the great minds of the day were saying that all that is has always been. In some regards, in some regards, right? So, like, so what we find is that throughout, throughout the history of the church, the church has never been in a place where it could just rest on particular ideas, right? It's, it's been in this state of trying to figure out as the world has presented certain ideas, it's, it, the church has had to say, well, what does Scripture say? What is, what is undeniable in these things? And, and the great minds of the church press back. Right? So like ideas are, 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 are worked on and molded and we find this happening several, t- several times uh, throughout uh, church history as this happened. Like I say, the Epicurus, uh, Plato, um, we find various theories of geology that came up prior to even Darwin's day um, that, are wor- that seem to be pointing to an older earth and an older universe. Um, beyond that, that the churches have to work in that, and then we had uh, Darwin's book on the origin of species, which was in 1859 uh, when that was published, and 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 the church has been working and and wrestling with um, how how those ideas um, shape our understanding of Scripture, or or whether or not we could reject them. Uh, the reality of them outright by the plain teaching of Scripture. So we're going to get, we'll jump back into this because I want us to see next week kind of how how these particular things throughout church history um, have caused time and time again these kind of rethinking, um, redigging in, 
uh, to our understanding of this text. And we're going to come up with uh, what is like six approaches that tend to be around today uh, to handle these things. And then we'll look at each one of them. There's none of them um, that you could not find some type of like, nah, nah, not really. Right? Like, so all of them have their places where it's like, this is not as weak or this is not as strong in this area. It may be weaker in this area. Um, and, and this is one of those one of those areas where I want us to, to kind of um, understand that, that that it's it's okay for us to hold different views on on, on these particular things, right? Um, whether it's from the literal view or whether it's from kind of all the way up to the allegorical view. Um, so we'll do that. We'll kind of get into those particular uh, approaches next week. Um, and, and kind of wrap this, this study on creation up then.